Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago, but those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ joined by Kelsey. And Kelsey, we got a special episode today. It's not been one, but two years since we started this podcast as well, too. Whole lot of ups, a whole lot of downs, some good, some bad, and unfortunately, quite a bit of ugly. But here we are, more than 700 days later, still rolling. And there's been a lot of changes, including the addition of some ad sponsors as well, too, including Dr. Squatch, Smell Like a Man, Feel Like a Champion, some of the best soap out there you can get. Yeah, and let's not forget, we also had Fanatics, you know, fantastic sponsor. Our very first uh, affiliate with the with the, with the the podcast. And, you know, if you guys haven't checked out Fanatics yet, go do so. Get all your sports gear all in one, no matter the sport, they have the gear for you. And, you know, I take a little slight with that ugliness comment. I mean, I feel personally attacked right now. I didn't say it was either one of us. It could have been some of our takes. <laughs> I did not specify where the ugly came from. I mean, it could be our dogs, which, by the way, uh, if That's you guys are true, watching this special, special episode, uh, there will be a dog counter down in the bottom corner, so you will get a... You'll get a fun little little glimpse at how many times we see a dog, which you um, can kind of see a little bit of the muskrat right here as well, too. So there's there's your first one. Yeah, exactly. So there's number one. So we'll see if he if he moves in and out of the picture and we'll see if Hershey decides to make any appearances over our shoulders. But man, it's been two years. I can't believe it. It, it feels like it was just we just got started yesterday, really. It was like just yesterday. Both were like, oh, screw it. We're finally going to do it. And here it happened, too. And we decided for the two year mark, we decided to do something a little bit different, a little bit of a and a We've asked some of you out there, send us some of your questions. We'll try and answer them as well, too. And Kelsey, you got a list. Let's go and get things started. What do we have for question number one? Yeah. So question number one, this one for both of us is going to go out for it. You know, when we first started the podcast, DJ, we'll start with you. What was your initial expectations of what would happen and and really, have we surpassed them, or do we still have a ways to go, in your opinion? Honestly, my expectation was when I have a hot take that ends up being right, like we do all those other times when we talked, I wanted it basically in writing or recorded. So if it does happen, I could be like, bam, I called it, and no one could take that away from me. I want a documentation of when I am right. That's pretty much it. And if I'm wrong, well, I'll deal with that later. That was, that was not really on the forefront when we started. It was more of I just wanted some documentation. And maybe one other person out there shares my same sentiment, and they can agree with it as well, too. It was more just 
a way to live the sports broadcaster dream, but on our own terms, more or less. As somebody who tried to get into this field personally, like on a professional level, this is another route to take as well, too. So, but most importantly, it was when I get something right ahead of everybody else, I wanted documentation. Yeah, no, I I remember that actually. You were talking about that jokingly, saying, you know, that. And uh, I remember when we first started, you said something. I'll, to this day, I will never remember the 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 take you had that initially like got this whole thing started. Where you're like, you know what? If I had just put that on record, I'd be famous right now. And I, I want to keep saying it goes back to the Ronda Rousey Holly home fight. That's I exactly that's what it was one. because I had a casual bet with one of our old coworkers, and I won that one too. And looking at the betting odds, I would have won a nice chunk of cheese off of that one if I'd have actually you know bet it or had it out there. Besides just kind of saying it, so that was part of it as well too. But that goes way back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's. That's checking back. And, and, you know, for me, I know our my initial expectations, really, I look at it, I was like, let's just do it. I, I what, what we get our moms listening. But at the same time, it could be fun for us. It's a fun outlet. We already have hours-long conversations about these sports things anyways. Why not put some put some to tape? Who knows? Maybe somebody out there will like it. And It's not our mom, so they, they, they still do not tune in as much as I would like. Yeah, no, it's okay. We actually have some random tune fans tuning in. I, I love in, so. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to our random fans that tune in that we don't know yet. And we'd love to get to know you guys, but... Um, we know it's not it's not our parents though because we asked them and they're like no you know I, last episode I listened to was when you guys did the bowling uh, did the uh, college bowl season well which one oh the the first you had two crap <laughs> like that's how we know it's not our parents love them to death regardless they tune in all the time we're on color cast as well too so I'm not complaining whatsoever as well too so that brings us to question number two two years almost a hundred episodes have passed. Do you have a favorite episode? And what about your least favorite episode? So start with you, Kelsey. What is your favorite episode? Oh, man, my favorite episode. It's hard to whittle them down. We've done a lot, um, you know, a lot of fun ones. I, you know, I love our, our top 10 rankings for a lot of things. Um, but, dude, I don't know, man. Favorite's hard. I can tell you my least favorite. And this goes down to more just out of sheer nerves. The very first episode we did, I remember it took me almost like three hours to get completely <laughs> ready for the first take just because I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're doing this. This is actually happening. My like, these are actually going to be recorded type of situation. And I could not, could not believe it. So that's, that's my least favorite one for sure. Uh, my favorite one might be one. We just recently did the Joey B versus Supercam uh, conversation where we broke down their best college years, just because I thought, thought that was a lot of fun. Um, breaking down into their stats and everything. It's personally, it's just like a that nerdy moment where you like, you know. And I lived through the Super Cam era, so like I was there for that. That's it it's a little extra special to the heart type of moment. Absolutely, as well too. For my least favorite, that's that's a tough one too. I mean, there's probably some random ones that I'm like, well, that one wasn't too great. Uh, I don't know about that. So I'll come back to least favorite, but most favorite, I really like our predictions ones. Like when we did the NFL predictions both times too, just going into it, looking at it, like going through the schedules, like that's a win for them, that's a loss for them, just seeing how the final results shake out, then comparing and contrasting, going through the playoffs, what we think will happen, that sort of thing, and the reason. We also usually have Brendan or even in the NBA, we have Devin join us as well too. Two different guys to check in, see what their thoughts are as well, compare and contrast them. Like we mentioned, Devin got the Nikola Jokic MVP, spot on. That was very interesting. Yeah. And MVP race, we had... Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson were our three get were the ones we had guests for this year. And we got three of the top four. We've all just kind of missed out on the Aaron Rodgers train. But we it's just kind of those ones were always fun to me. I really thoroughly enjoyed those. And for that's it's really tough for me to pick a least favorite. There's probably I probably agree with you. That first one was a little bit rough. The idea of it was cool. Like, wow, look at all these duos. But that's kind of where because that was when Katie and Kyrie joined up, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George. That was when that thing started forming. So yeah. it was kind of cool, but I'd say that was probably the least favorite as well, too, just because man i didn't we didn't really i didn't think we really had it it was just like yeah yeah the very first one was that free agency one and that's where it was just like we're like all right we're just going to talk about the free agency and like we had no idea what we were doing uh like how we wanted to break it we had an idea in our head but when it came actually out of our mouths i feel like we were just like regurgitating words at that point in time absolutely as well too and also probably one of our second episodes we tried to do the best triplets in the nfl as well too that one was a little bit like all right well we agreed who number one was at the time Let's just kind of say some stuff for the owners. I think that one was the one we were pushing a little bit too hard to be a little little extra, to say the least. So that probably wasn't our best performance either. Yeah, I do want to make a, an honorable nomination here just for no other reason than I still love the title we gave to it. It's Dak Mack and the the throwing running back. Hmm. Uh, that's still one of my favorite, uh, favorite episodes just for the naming sake of it. Um, and also, by the way, one of our most random, like, viral ones that we got. That was It was just, like, out of nowhere all of a sudden. We started getting hits out of it just this year. And it was a two-year-ago episode. Mm. 
So, Shout out uh, to Lamar on that one, I guess, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, so uh, very, very interesting on that one. I, I just wanted to shout that out just because that was a fun episode and uh, just even more even more entertaining name. Absolutely, uh, and it gives you a chance. And another thing we talked about why we start this one. I know you are always head on with the Lamar Jackson thing. Like, he can be good if you just put him in the right situation. Don't try and make him something he's not. He will be probably a little, not quite as good as you anticipated that one year. Maybe that wasn't quite where you're anticipating. Yeah, maybe not that but, far ahead. <laughs> but like what he did this last year where he was actually pretty darn good at 11 and five, a winning quarterback. Like that's kind of what you anticipated. And that kind of is one thing that came true as well too. So that was another perk of this podcast is when we say something, we see it gives a chance to put it out there. Maybe if someone's listening, we convince them otherwise, or if it does come true and everyone said we were stupid, we could be like, well, 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 how the turntables have turned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trust me. We have plenty of stupid, but that leads us into our next question. Uh, plenty of takes have been dished out and well, let's just say some were great and others were, um, not so great. Uh, I, I remember the Cardinals at 13 and three, uh, in the first season, I know it was a joke, but it's still, uh, you know, it still stands out in my mind, but, uh, in your opinion, what are your best takes you've ever given? And what are the worst takes you've ever given on the podcast? Maybe just the best overall and the worst overall, if you have one. Well, the worst one is hands down when I had the Atlanta Falcons winning that division last year, going 12 and four in this in the 2020 season and getting to the NFC Championship game. That one clearly did not pan out because I did not anticipate Julio Jones getting hurt and then to implode in fourth quarters every single game. I expected them to be able to rally someone. I thought Todd Gurley would be a competent running back to just bring a safety down. So you can't double team Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. One of them's going to feast. And then Matt Ryan would do what Matt Ryan did. And the defense, Deion Jones, Foley side of Louis Kahn. Grady Jarrett, Keanu, I figured like those guys, AJ Terrell would just be good enough. You just kind of got to get a couple of takeaways, be a little stout here and there. And Atlanta could be pretty good. That was wrong. Very clearly wrong. That, in theory on paper, it should have been all right, but I was clearly incompetently wrong on that one. So I will take the heat for that one. Undoubtedly. That was not my best. That was not my best work to say the least. <laughs> to be fair, if they learned how to throw to Julio in the red zone, you probably would have had a pretty good take. Probably not because Julio was broke that whole season. But in theory, yes. Like if they throw Julio in the red zone, then maybe I could have been right for every other year. I thought they'd be good. So fair enough. Fair enough. Who knows with them? I've learned to never pick them to be good again, though. So I will. <laughs> yeah. I will live on that one. And Don't pick Atlanta team for anything. Smart move. <laughs> and for favorite, I want to. It's kind of a tie between two of them because I really liked when we did NFL predictions. The very first one we did, I was the one who picked San Francisco to win that division and be a good team that year. You and Brendan laughed directly into my face. So I, I didn't expect I them to go that, to the actually. Super Bowl and be within seven minutes of winning it, but I thought they'd be a playoff team that could win a playoff game. So I thought the Jimmy, I thought Brian, Jimmy G getting healthy, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, all those guys, that was just a perfect storm of storming out, basically going from second overall pick to a playoff team. So that one I was really proud of, I, just because, I mostly because you guys laughed in my face and I'm being right, that's most yeah. of it. Look, hey, to be fair, we have very few outtakes that ever happen on this show because mm-hmm. we just like to own our stupidity. Uh, and that was actually one of the ones I remember actually having to turn off the recording because one of us said something that was just completely stupid about your pick about the 49ers. Hmm. And if I could take it back and now that I know, you know, the history of it, I'd be like, shut up, Kelsey. Don't Hmm. say it. Don't say Hmm. the words. But one of the few times we actually had to shut off the recording because we just were laughing too hard because we couldn't believe you picked the Niners. And of all things, that's the one pick that was like spot on. And then this honorable mention slash equal one was the Joe Burrow season two, after that first game against Texas, we were talking college football. And I was like, I, there's something here. I don't know. I kept calling. I didn't know much about him. I just, what I saw was like that accuracy, that mobility. This thing. I called him Jordan Burrow a couple of times after the U S wrestler, <laughs> but I knew who I was talking about. Cause Joe, Joe Burrow, Jordan Bow, they, it rolls off the tongue the same way, but that was another one. I looked at, I was like, this could be something special. Did I anticipate arguably the greatest college football season ever? Not quite, but I expected them to be a true threat to Alabama and Auburn and those other teams. It's like, a true national championship contender, a team that could beat off, beat Georgia. I wasn't expecting that, though. So those are the two where they I expected them to be good. I kind of predicted them being good a little bit ahead of time. And then they go ahead and exceed my expectations even more so. Yeah, you were on the Joe Burrow train from basically week one. And that was the most – to me, that's one of the most impressive predictions I've seen because I even I was like, like – I love Sam Ellinger. And so to see them beat Texas the way they did, I was just like, no way. That, <laughs> that's got to be a fluke. That's got to be just down to Texas' defense being bad. There's no way an LSU quarterback is, is potentially going to be the best quarterback out there. And, well, I, I ate all crow on that because I didn't even think they were going to beat Auburn. And, and, well, they smashed Auburn. Well, I don't know. That was actually – that was a close game. I mean, 23 It was, it was their 20. closest game, and it was still a, a double-digit win. I thought it was only – I thought it was just a single-digit win. You're right. One, it was like seven points, but still. Yeah, it was, it was – but close enough regardless. And it took Auburn's fantastic defense to pull that off as well, too. That was no slouching defense for Auburn as well, too. And 
Yeah, that was kind of my thoughts as well, too. I thought they could be a threat to Alabama and Auburn, and I think they'd be better than Georgia. Did not think they were going to run the table and 60 touchdowns later from Burrow, smashing Trevor Lawrence, beating Justin Fields, beating Tua. I didn't think they were going to basically run college football for a year. Yeah, and that, I mean, really, that your take on Joe Burrow is why we did the Joe Burrow versus Supercam uh debate as well because that was part of part of the whole thing is you were on top of that and you were like let's do it i'm ready for this conversation <laughs> and and you know that's what made that one so fun is that we had you know your prediction tied to how we actually end up turning out plus you know cam on the other side and, and all of that that was a lot of fun um just linking those two together just what happened the way it used to, it, it is and just another thing I'm going to slide in there, too. It's not really a specific take or specific episode, but our color cast broadcast for the NFL draft, too. While we were in Cleveland, that was one of my favorite things we've done as well, too. It's a little bit of an aside. It wasn't really a podcast, but we did the whole April lead up in the draft. We did it like this many days till the draft. We had a big board. We put so much into it and to see it culminate and go rather well, I'd say, as well, too. If you haven't checked it out, it is still on our YouTube page as well, too. The live stream we did for charity. Obviously, it's a long thing and you already know how it ends. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but Give it a gander as well, too. Something we both worked really hard on. So that's another thing I thoroughly enjoyed doing. Yeah, it's four hours and 28 minutes. Four hours and 28 minutes long. But uh, you can skip to the first 10 minutes and then you get to our, our content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, uh, yeah, that was absolutely just a lot skip of fun. To the team, you skip to your favorite team's picks and just see what we thought and it, our initial reactions as well, too, on that. Yeah, and our lead up up to it, too. Because we actually <laughs> had some really good calls on there as well. And there's the, you know some great takes on that one as well. Uh, your your quitty pay to uh, to Indy was a, was a good one. Um, and then... There was a, a, a Wusu Kormo we both had going to the Browns. We just didn't have him going to the Browns in, in the second round or third round. Sorry. No second round. You were second right. Round, yeah. Yeah. And then we had Trayvon Merrick as a top 15 player and he goes to the Raiders with a top 15 pick in the second round. Like it was a really wonky draft, but it was a really fun process. And I was glad we got to do that. So that was like a not favorite podcast, not favorite take, but just a random one I want to throw out there as well too. Cause I enjoyed doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, our, uh, I got to say my best take to this point. I know it was low hanging <laughs> fruit. And it's, it's probably the easiest pick I've had to ever make. Um, and to be completely honest, when I was going through it, I was like, no, don't make this pick. Don't make this pick. Don't make this pick. Don't make this pick. And I said, screw it. I'm going to make this pick. And that's the Bucks chiefs Super Bowl. Um, and them being in the Super Bowl. I did have the Chiefs winning, though. That's the only downside. But but your entire argument was Tampa Bay winning up until that point, too. Everything yeah, up yeah. until that point, it was Tampa Bay winning. They're like, but I'm going with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, exactly. Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Hilaire was going to be my Super Bowl MVP. And make the difference. And you know what? He almost made his made, made the difference. He almost helped. Well, he definitely made the difference in whether Le'Veon Bell was staying in Kansas City or not. So, I mean, that six and one had half a dozen the other. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. Maybe I'm going to pick <laughs> the same thing this year. We'll see if I can uh, get the same same luck to strike twice. However, uh, in that same episode, I had my worst take um, <laughs> ever. And that was somehow predicting the Dallas Cowboys to go 13-3 and and end up in the NFC Championship. Ah, uh, yeah. The classic Cowboys hatred. Like, as much as I talk crap about them, you'd think I would never pick them to do anything. And I'm just like, on paper, they look fantastic. Each and every week. The rest of the division look like crap. And you think, like, You got CD Lamb, you got Amari Cooper, you got Michael Gallup, you got Dak Prescott, you got Zeke. In theory, just win every game 40 to 34. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, like, obviously Dak checking out. Like, I'm going to give myself a little bit of leeway because of the ankle injury. Like, that that gives a little Mm -hmm. bit of, but, like, to literally be a five win, six win team compared to where you should have been at 13. That was, yeah, that was Dang. my worst, easily my worst take ever. And I still catch flack from that mm. one. Um, also, I do want to shout out, although you, you know, I am surprised you actually didn't make this one, but your, uh, your, your Stefanski pick uh, and predicting that he was going to be a, a good coach and not just lead the Browns to a potential playoff berth, but like turn around Baker Mayfield. And he did both of those things. The, yeah. I, I thought about that one as well too. And I, I, Kind of wanted to pick that one as well, too. But there's there's a few good ones. that If I brought that one up, then I have to mention the also bad ones where I also had Tennessee being terrible as well, too. And that, that one didn't work out. Or how I had Pittsburgh was going to be at the bottom of that division. So there's a lot of good with a lot of bad. So I was going to keep it short. But I, the Stefanski one, I, I really like that one as well, too. Just on paper, and I explained it in that episode. Everything he does offensively with the Vikings that turned them around and made them a playoff team. You have everything for that in Cleveland, but better. Nick yeah. Chubb's a little better than Dalvin Cook, in my opinion. Odell at the time was a little better than Stephon Diggs at the time. Obviously, Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen, that's a whole different animal. Adam Thielen and Jarvis Landry, 50-50. Honestly, I I consider them basically dead even at that point. The tight ends, you had Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and then they drafted Harrison Bryant. The tight end position wins over Irv Smith and the ghost of Kyle Rudolph. The offensive line is not even a competition. Like, 
Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb too. Like it seemed like a very, I was surprised more people were complaining about this Stefanski hire. Honestly, I know Robert Sala was the hot commodity at the time, but if you're the Browns, you can't really risk waiting for Sala. It's like, no, no, I'm good. You, you see the, your guys, Stefanski, you got to grab him back. You can, you could turn around this Baker Mayfield thing after Freddie Kitchens almost ruined, not just his, arguably his career early on, but could have ruined that entire Browns. What looked out to be a loaded roster. I mean, look at him now. Now a lot of people think they're a Super Bowl team. So I, I thought that one was, I thought it was low hanging fruit, but suddenly a lot of people walked right by the fruit after all. Yeah, no, I mean, you were, you were spot on with that one. I, I just had to shout that out because that was one of the, I, I still think one of the best, uh, best picks that I've even imagined. I didn't, because it wasn't a guy I considered to be, you know, I thought he would be good. I didn't think he'd be that good. I didn't think they go exactly like I was surprised they went exactly 11 and five as I said too that was the part that I was like oh you even copied the record to a T okay well yeah. now you're not now you're just making me look really smart I didn't think they'd win in the first round of the playoffs but I didn't think they'd play the Steelers yeah. that was the thing too to be fair nobody picked them to play the Steelers anyways uh, let alone to beat the Steelers two times in a row and I did mention when we did our predictions for the NFL on Hinch show if everybody was healthy and they didn't have all the COVID issues I would pick them to beat the Steelers. Turns out Stephen, Kevin Stefanski is such a good coach he can win while coaching from his basement and just kind of have somebody else on the on the floor on the field doing it for him. So that was another good one as well too. So we've definitely had some good ones to say the least. Yeah, definitely. No, no and doubt that definitely will lead us into our next question where this is kind of one that I know you're thinking about too because you we've had a few guests on the show. You've had some fun interviews. If you could get any one guest on the show, who would it be? And what is one question you'd like to ask him? I'll let you go and start with this one. Obviously myself. No, I'm just kidding. I, I couldn't do that. That's I, a mediocre uh, guest. I would just stick a mirror up in the, in the other side and just start talking to myself. It'd be pretty entertaining. No, uh, no, no chance at all. I, I've actually, we've actually sent a tweet out about this before. Um, for Well, I sent a tweet out about it. My dream guest with 1000% certainty is the old pirate man himself, the old coach, Mike Leach. I want to hmm. talk to Mike Leach so bad. And I would not talk football with the man. I, I not even at all. It would be about Sasquatch. Do aliens exist? Where did where where is there buried treasure in America? But most importantly, the most important question I would ask him is, which conspiracy theory do you think is the most likely to be true? Because I could just imagine that would give us three hours worth of quality content. Mm -hmm. I, at the same time, you could ask him, like, what did you mean when you said it was like Woodstock both clothes on? Like, you could ask him just about all of his quotes. Like, what what was going through your mind when you said that? <laughs> it would be so fun. I, I honestly, with Mike Leach, you're just like, the guy is just so smart, so funny, and, and just it's his humor is very dry and very entertaining. And you're just like, I want all of that in our podcast. Like, give me that here. That would be my dream guest. Like, I just, I think even if we ever got to the point of like way beyond and it was like, who is your dream guest at that point? I'm still going to say Mike Leach. I don't care. That, that's a pretty good one, too. I'm going to go with a little bit of a, not going to say a random one, but I'm going to say Pat McAfee, honestly, too. Like, just seeing his show all the time, him and AJ Hawk, what they've done, a NFL punter who has managed to completely change his career and is, has a better post-football career than a football career. He was a Pro Bowl, all-pro punter, retired at, what was it, 29-31, something like that, really early on. And able to, I kind of want to pick his brain about all that. Just kind of talk to him. He was known as the boomstick after leveling a guy on a kickoff. Like he's had such an interesting career, to say the least. He's th he has a one hundred fifty eight point eight percent passer rating on Thanksgiving. Like there's just so many random things that Pat back that I just love to talk about. Just hear what he has to say. Granted, we could get more of that just by what he says on his show. But I kind of want to hear him with the way I phrase the question and just the things I'd want to hear him as well too. I just want to tell me about your life. That'd basically be the question. Like just just talk for a while. I want to hear it. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Fat like, McAfee is so so entertaining. That would be a really good one too. Also, I'd love to talk to him why he got into wrestling of all things. Like, what was that like? What was the Barstool Heartland like? Because you remember he was the he was the part owner of Barstool Heartland Heartland when that started up. So, Absolutely, yeah. Like, there's so many questions to ask him too. Like, I just I couldn't pick one. I just wanted Pat talk to me. That is the question. I'd ask him to kick a punt, and can I can I please try to catch it? Because I already know he would hit the nastiest, dirtiest punt in the world. And it He'd would line drop, drive it like, with a little bit of an ankle, with a little bit of a curveball too. It'd be like a knuckleball coming off a punter's leg right yeah. at your head. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Hit me right between the eyes, guaranteed. <laughs> he would hit me right between the eyes, and it would be hilarious. If He'd drop kick it for an onside kick right at your head. It'd be it'd be devastating, and I'd be all for it. Yeah, and and the guy that I think that'd be a lot of fun. But speaking of you know athletes, obviously, I, I I do. We did get this question of this was really a thinker. I mean, this one actually had me sitting here thinking for a while when I first saw it. Um, but who do you think are the top five most influential all time? So across all of history, athletes, male or female, no matter the sport. 
and it doesn't matter what order they're in and, and just just list them off in your opinion on your thoughts because this one had me going for a while i literally sat here for close to two hours trying to figure out what i wanted for my top five this is terribly hard because there's so many of them out of the rack my brain over all the years was not really overly prepared for this one as well too so I'm going to go off five, obviously no order. First one, I'm going to go with Muhammad Ali. Just everything he stood for, revolutionized boxing, known as the greatest. Not a whole lot more needs to be said. Everyone knows about that one as well, too. Number two, I'm going to go with the man known as the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Just everything he did for basketball, making it global, making it. He was, he was like the Beatles, a one-man Beatles, basically. He still is to the point where that Last Dance documentary, 20-plus years later after he retired. Well, yeah, more than 20, about 22 years after he retired, yeah. and it's still the biggest sporting to the point where they expedited because of the pandemic and there are no sports. They found a way to get it out there. Just everything about it, like his aura, the ways his shoes are still the number one selling shoe by far. Like he's made more from his shoe sales than anyone in the current NBA has made from their salaries, like per season basis. It's not much more needs to be the way his influence, like people grew up wanting to watch him. Obviously now it's the younger kids that have saw that saw Kobe LeBron. It's more along those, but the generation, like when we grew up, everyone wanted to be, there was like Mike. That's a, yeah. that's a movie. That's a saying, like everything's revolutionized around space jam. Like I could go on and on, so I'm not going to go, but that's another form of influential next one. This one's a more recent one, but I'm going to go with Simone Biles. I think the goat of gymnastics and gymnastics isn't as popularized as a sport, especially at least in America, you hear about Simone Biles, but you don't really hear about anybody else the way she is revolutionized as well. And to the point where it, basketball we talk about michael jordan kobe lebron there's a goat debate there football tom brady joe montana peyton manning all that it's like you would go all Sidney crosby wayne gretzky stuff like that in hockey in gymnastics it's simone biles and who's competing for a distant second place there's no comp there's no competition there as well even even in even in, even in the gymnastics community they're like yeah no it's, she's, she's the goat she's literally started stitching the goats on her on her leotards and everything now exactly i mean even the contrarians are like yeah i'm not even gonna touch this one i'm not even gonna try to like that so I'm going to put her the, on that the one. Russian yeah. judge gives her a 10. Exactly. And it's such a young age, too. Like, basically doing all this, and she's still so young. If I'm not mistaken, she's younger than both of us, too. Like, the fact yeah. that she's able to do all this at such a young age and has plenty of time to go as well. I mean, that's just a different level of influential. And I guarantee there's a lot of young girls that are looking at us like, I'm going to be the next Simone Biles. And they're getting into gymnastics that would not have otherwise as well, too. Yeah. So I'm going to go with her. Her is one of them. This one I'm going to get some slack on because I'm not saying he's the GOAT, but I'm saying influential and it's as far as modern-day football. I'm going to put Peyton Manning up there as well, too, because he was the guy that kind of made the quarterback position so important. The changes at the line, the running the show, the just put me put guys around me and I will make it happen as well, too, the, the coach on the field. Before this, quarterbacks were just guys that can occasionally make good throws. Very rarely, did you, there's Dan Marino, there's John Away. There's some, obviously, guys you could say were ahead of him or were elite all-time quarterbacks before, but... Peyton Manning's changed the the way quarterbacks play where they control the game now. Everything, like, they are the coach where, I mean, he took four different coaches to the Super Bowl. It's like Tom Brady's also mastered that as well, too. So you can put them both in there together. I think Peyton just did a little bit more first, if that makes sense. Like, he was the one who started it. Tom Brady mastered it. Drew Brees mastered it. And we see it now with all quarterbacks. Like, you see high school quarterbacks at the line yelling Omaha and stuff right now as well, too. I mean, yeah. Omaha is on the national map now because of Peyton Manning. And almost everybody who, any, who watches even, like, a, a Motocama sports, they understand what Omaha is now. Absolutely as well. And then what he's done off the court as far as like sometimes on Comedy Central in the in the business land as well too with Papa John's and just everything as well too. A whole lot whole lot influence exactly as well too. It just he's very well known at this point. Like it's all together as well. And the next one, this one's more of just because in a similar vein. Like obviously I haven't had a whole lot of time to think about this. Like I, there's a thousand different ways we can go about this. I'm gonna go with Serena Williams as well too. You could put Serena and Venus. It could be like a dash, a 1A, 1B. Like you put them together. And Serena's a little more known, so I'm going to put her up there. The way they made kind of the same thing Simone Biles did is they made tennis, women's tennis like popularized. They made it cool. They brought people to it. Now you have the Maria Sharapovas and plenty of others who have followed their steps. But those were the two that really put women's tennis on the map globally as well, too, and are absolute rock stars. They're, they're, people look up to them and want to be them in ways that very few other very few other girls have been able to look up someone in female sports as well too. Like they made, yeah. they put female sports on the map realistically. If we're honestly looking at it, before that, it was there, but it wasn't getting quite the hype. Now Serena Williams could lead a sports center segment real quick and easy. Whether oh, she yeah. wins or yeah. loses, she's at the top of them more often than not. So those are my top five. There's obviously various orders. You tell me somebody else, I might be like, you are right, and take somebody else off. There's <laughs> this is a very long list. Those are just five that came to the top of my head when you read this question. Yeah, and that's just it. Like of these people, like. 
I could we could honestly make a list of top twenty and still feel like we left people off. I feel like that's just how many athletes have used their platform for good and and you know increasing different things in at different times. Um, I, I love your list. I, I got to say, I, we do have one one similarity actually. Only one though out of your top five. I'm honestly it, shocked. I thought you were going to get mad at me because we somehow had a similar list, like three or something like that. But this is this makes it fun, all right? So there's at least some variety. Yeah, and so I'll start with that similarity first. And that's Serena Williams. Obviously, I went the same. I, I, you could have put the Williams sisters here and you'd be just as white, right? Not only were they just bring tennis to the forefront, a black female sisters doing that and becoming the best in a predominantly ethnically white sport uh, and, and doing so and doing so in, in a way that was just unique. They took it in their own. We, we talk about women's tennis and we talk, we joke about the grunt and that's Serena and, and the men have been doing it for decades. The women just now started doing it. And that's because of Serena and Venus. Uh, and, you know, you talk about also like, you know, fashion wise, she has her own fashion line in Anaris. It's just her name backwards, which I think is super fantastic. Uh, and but they've she done has it her for how long now too? It's been like 30 oh, plus yeah. years. They've been dominating. They've been at it for so long. It's the longevity is virtually unmatched. And that's the thing is like most tennis players retire at 24, 25. They're going into their, their mid thirties and doing it. And it's fantastic to watch. And now they're, and now Serena's a mother and doing it. She And was winning tennis matches yeah. while pregnant too. On yeah, top so of that, she, won a, she won us, she won a major while pregnant and, and beat top players in the world. Not no slouches by any means. Meanwhile, most men can't get out of bed when they have a cold and need, they need a full on medical staff when they have a head cold. So, I mean, that's, it's just absolutely sensational just to add on to your point. Yeah, and so she, so she's she's one of mine. And then in the same vein as Serena, and I'm going to stick with the tennis theme, I'm actually going Billie Jean King. Okay. Uh, obviously, a female who took on a male in tennis <laughs> and put really, you talk about female sports and female equality on the map as part of a, a pop, possible hot-button topic. Billie Jean King did that. I mean, really, before her time, well Honestly, before. a good one. That's one that slipped my mind. That's a really good one. Now I kind of wish there's a way. Can we do like a top 50 list now so I can slide that <laughs> one? Like, gosh, dang, can we make it top six? She's my honorable six then. Yeah, and, and look, I was, again, this is, these are in no order. I can't put these in any order because of, like you just said, I like there's so many out there that you're just like, crap, I can't. Like, I can't just put these in, in, in one order or the other. Eight pounds of potatoes in a one-pound bag. This isn't going to work. Yeah, exactly. Whoever uh, asks this question's a jerk. Yeah, I was not a fan of when I saw this, just for the sheer fact that it made us think. But I love the question. I think it's, it's a fantastic question. Um, but so the next one on my list uh, – it, again, this is kind of the same same arena as Serena, but this is going to golf, and that's the man, the myth, the legend, Tiger. Um, you know, you want to talk about a sport predominantly run by a bunch of white guys, old old white guys. Here comes this young stud of an athlete in Tiger Woods, a mixed mixed race young athlete as well, not just black, but black and Asian, and he's dominating the sport. Take what you will from whatever happened with him and his father. And the outside of the course things, but he revolutionized the game of golf in a way that no other athlete had. He made sponsorships. Nobody talks things. about golf as much anymore without him, too. <laughs> yeah. like, like we talked about what Serena does with ESPN, Sports Center, and all the sports TV shows. Tiger did that with golf, and now nobody really, they loosely cover it. Like it gets like a two minute segment as opposed to like 30 minutes of talk. Yeah, I mean, really, like it's, you look at it, even let's look, let's look at the podcast realm. There's not as many golf themed podcasts. But, you know, one thing that I love is, it, obviously, we all know the Mean Girls quotes, we wear pink on, on Wednesdays, you know? I believe that's how it goes. Well, On for, Wednesdays, we wear pink. But Yeah, there not. you go. Yeah, so I had it backwards. But for everybody else who followed Tiger, anybody who followed sports, you wear red on Sundays. That's what you do. That red polo is infamous. Exactly. You saw that red polo, you know it's game over. And, hmm. and I just, you know, I think he, what he was able to do paved the way for a lot of young athletes, whether it was in golf or in other sports, to this this whole idea of sponsorships and earning sponsorships individually outside of uh, and revolutionizing everything. He was the first Nike athlete to break into golf. He was the first Nike athlete in golf. Um, and that's, that's a very interesting topic. And he revolutionized even just the advertisings for a, uh, an athlete. There would be no LeBron James if there was no Tiger Woods. And in that vein hmm. brings me to Jackie Robinson. There would be okay. none of these athletes before me without Jackie Robinson. Let's be completely honest about that. The, the original, I won't 42. say the original. There was there was one before him, and that was an Olympic athlete. But Jackie Robinson, as far as in the big three sports in America, was the originator, the first one to break the color barrier and to become a popular athlete at the same time. 
Um, you know, he was everything you want from a guy that's going to be the, to be the, to be the guy that sets that, that bar. He was kind. He was quiet. He was calm. He kept his, he kept his cool under some situations that nobody, not a single soul in this universe today could handle. And he did it with, with such guile and, and, and pride that it was, it was fantastic to watch. I mean, fantastic to talk about, fantastic to hear about. We celebrated Jackie Robinson day now. Like that's how much this means. Everybody who plays baseball, everybody who plays basketball, everybody who plays football knows who Jackie Robinson is. They, you know the, num- the significance of number 42. You know what that means. So that's, you know, that's, that's number four. And then number five, I, I didn't know who to throw here. I really didn't. So I went with one of more current athletes because a lot of mine had been, you know, previous athletes or, or, or older athletes if they're still current. But this one's Megan Rapino, And that's for... We talk about women's equality. I did just watch LFG on <laughs> on HBO Max, so it's this is in my head right now. Is the 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 fight for equal pay, and I've I've long since been a part of this this group where you know when you talk about the women's national team in America, ten thousand times better than the men's national team when it comes to soccer. You know, four World Cups. That's all you got to say. No World Cups for the men. <laughs> that's, that's that's it. You got to pay them more. You got to pay them equal. Honestly, they deserve more pay than. Than, than what the men deserve. And and that's just being frank about it. And what she's doing for not just equal pay rights, but also LGBTQ communities and, and fighting out for them and, and, you know, doing it with her partner, Sue Bird. It's it's fantastic to watch. Um, and, you know, you root for them every day. So that's my top five. I mean, take it what you will. I'll probably get some sticks from somebody saying I left somebody off, but. There, there's so many people we left off here. You can go down the list. Like neither one of us involved with LeBron. There was no Hank Aaron in there. Like, my goodness, we yeah. can go down down the list. There's guys like Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. There's so many got potential influential people we left off these lists. Like it would have been impossible and, and to do. Bill Russell was a close one to making my list. He was very, very close because he literally you talk about the one of the winningest players ever. He did it while still like putting his career on the line and 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 participating in some of these walks. Um, you know, equality walks and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, another one too. Like yeah. there are so many we could have put on this list. Like we could do this for an entire three episodes, but yeah. we'll go ahead and move on as well too. Like any, obviously if you have any comments as well to watch on YouTube, drop down someone we didn't mention as well too. Obviously yeah. we're not overlooking them. We had to pick five. So we just picked five. Like even when you were listening, somebody was like, yeah, I should have picked them. Yeah. I should have picked them and vice versa. We could, we could do this for decades. So feel yeah. free to comment some other ones that you believe were influential as well that we did not mention as well. But on to our next question. What is the most difficult championship to win in all of professional sports, in your opinion? And this is professional, not including college. Oh, amateur. Uh, like, this is tough because, like, if I, we go in worldwide or are we go in Euros, we go in America. I, We're going everything that you get paid to do, basically. So anything that is a professional sport. no, Just no amateurs or college or anything like that. That's so hard because there's so many sports that are difficult. Like, you obviously, your mind goes to, well, the NFL is not an easy, easy, play, easy place to play. But there's 53 players mm-hmm. on each team. You're bound to have some some pretty quality players there. And you seem to kind of know basically halfway through the season who's going to be your favorites, who's not. There's no real Cinderella's after about halfway through the season. Any given Sunday, though. I mean, at the same yeah, time, any, all any, it's a, you don't have a seven-game series. You get one. You only get then, one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. And then basketball, I mean, it's the best of seven series. We see upsets constantly. I mean, that's there. But then at the same time, you know, you get seven series, so usually it should flush out. Then you have baseball, who has just so many games. That you kind of just know by by the midway point who's really competing, who's not. Hockey though, hockey to me is a really interesting one because that was really difficult. Like the run they go on, it is back to back to back to back to back in hockey. They don't give any breaks when it comes to the playoffs. Um, so that's interesting to me. I got to go with a single elim- a, a, a sport that ends in a single elimination tournament, and that means I'm going to go the World Cup. I think the World Cup is the hardest championship to win in all professional sports because not only do you have to go through a round-robin group stage, you have to finish the top two in that, and anything can happen. Just like you said, on any one of those games, the worst team can beat the best team. And then you go into the knockout stages, and it doesn't matter if you're a favorite or you're a, a, a Cinderella. It's dead even when you go to the knockout stages because you only have 90 minutes, plus if you get stoppage time if it's tied. And or if you get extra time, and then if it's tied after that, then it goes to shootouts, which is the ultimate crapshoot. At that point, it's not who's better; it's who gets luckier in a shootout. So, I think when it comes down to it, for me, the hardest championship to win is 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 going to be a World Cup, and that's 
I, I feel like I'm leaving out some sports here. I probably could could do something else, but I, to me, that is just that is the one that sticks out in my mind as probably the hardest. You know, that was actually the one I was going to pick as well too. So I agree with you on that one. That's why I got to lean back a little bit when he says like, "Well, that was the one I had lined up." But my honorable mention that I'll also mention is I think winning a UFC championship is also one of the hardest ones as well too, yeah. just because you have to climb the ranks. You got to go through so much. You're not getting paid as much early on. All it takes is one shot, and your night is done. Granted, that could go in your favor as well. One shot, one miss one mistake and they capitalize on it you have to do that to climb the ranks i mean you don't just get a title shot like that you have to go through often five six seven ufc fights depending there's injuries you never know if someone's gonna have to step in for you if you have to step out it could be years in the making recent lightweight champion charles Oliveira. my goodness he's had three ufc careers and he gets his ufc title shot and almost gets ko'd in the first round then bounces back and gets the w in the second we talk about francis and ganu everything he has been through my goodness losing his first opportunity fighting his way back and able to capitalize with a big shot right after getting hit one, with one of his own. Like, yeah. just winning a UFC title, I think everything you have to go through to get there. Look at George Masvidal. He's been fighting since in backyard since, like, 2004 or something like that. Climbed all his way up, and unfortunately, he doesn't have a title. Like, so it's just there's so many variables into it as well, too, especially in those deeper weight classes where there's so much talent. Any We talk about any given Sunday. In this case, it's any given day, any given punch, any given strike. Just any slip-up and you or an injury in practice because it's the the epitome of a physical contact sport, basically. You're beating up, you are fighting another person multiple times a day in practice to fight another person in front of a lot of eyes. And it's just you out there. There's nobody else. There's no teammates, that sort of thing as well, too. So the nerves, I imagine, would be a little bit more severe as well, too, especially like in a big world title fight, everybody watching you, millions of people. So I'm going to go with that one as like an honorable mention number two. And it's also a global sport as well, too, where anybody yeah. in the world is in is that you don't you have no idea who you're going against. Really, you could be an American fighting somebody from New Zealand, completely different world. And all it takes is one shot. They see one thing that you don't see coming. That So those are, I agree with you on the World Cup, though. That one's right up there. Yeah. And actually, you know, UFC is a very interesting. I didn't even think about that. That didn't even cross my mind because you even considered like there's a little bit of politicking to it, too. Like you have to be. A you got to earn that athlete. title shot sometimes, not just from your performance, but you have to get people to want to watch you because there's yeah. a little bit of an entertainment factor to it too. Like, no, it's so, such an individual sport. You have to have people want to tune into you. It's not like football yeah. where they tune into the team and if you're the best player, they like you in that regard. Like, they're, they're attached to you either way. You got to sell yourself individually. Like, I think, like, when I think of, like, you know, guys who never did it, never got a championship in, in, in fighting, I like, the first mind, the first one that comes to me is Kimbo Slice. Obviously, you talk about backyard fighters, a backyard brawler fantastic and then all of a sudden he goes in the ring and he's just like it's like okay well what happened to him he didn't win a title he just disappeared he's actually pretty lackluster in the professional ring too like it's yeah. i mean it's sub 500 record like it that just goes to show like it's such a difficult sport too where you have to have that kimbo slice marketability plus you have to have the fighting skill you have to have people on tune in and you can't make a mistake you kind of got to be yeah. flawless or you yeah. have to be more, just a little more flawless than your opponent and you have to be locked in 24 7 365 with that it's like you're not even just on like fight night like i mean it's as you mentioned during practice, it's it's not like soccer where or, or baseball or football or basketball where you can take a take a break in the middle. Like if you watch LeBron at shoot around, he takes fifteen <laughs> minutes to just kind of goof around and chat with people. You can't do that in in the fight game because that's fifteen minutes of cardio that could lead to you not being ready in the in the third round, fourth round, fifth round for those money rounds. And that's that's a that's a really good take. I didn't honestly, it didn't cross my mind because I was like. Ah, what major sports, right? No, no, professionals. That's a really good one. Because and on one, top of that too, you we mentioned that you can't walk back on defense and fighting. You start walking away, you're asking to get kicked in the face. So I mean, there's all that. I will say, if we included amateur sports, the Ultimate Fighter House is the toughest tournament in my opinion. You're locked in a house with people you have to fight for six weeks with no contact with the outside world. You have to deal with them and train with them, not knowing who you're going to fight, when you're going to fight. Like, it's a great thing to get you going, but it's it's the toughest tournament in sports. If you include amateur, it's not a quote unquote professional thing you're not getting paid for that so that's why i didn't include that but i world cup's another great one as well too like they're both absolutely fantastic there you really find the best of the best in both situations yeah so that's very very interesting all right now switching from the sports world this one actually was sent to us from dan from time to bs uh and i i actually really i laughed when i when he sent this question he originally gave me 10 sandwiches but for for sanctity of i couldn't come up with 10 sandwiches <laughs> we cut this down to five and so you get to eat five sandwiches for the rest of your life, and that's all you get to eat. What five sandwiches are you choosing? So peanut butter and jelly, obviously, but it's sugar-free jelly and PB powder peanut butter because, you know, health conscious around here. Wow, okay. Fancy. And it, you know what? <laughs> don't don't hate me for this one. It, it works. 
Next, it'd probably be a turkey and Swiss sub, something along, just something really generic as well. Maybe a little spinach, you know, nothing too too dramatic. Okay. Then after that, there's a, a meatball sub as well too. I mean, you, just mandatory to have it on the list with a little Parmesan cheese, the usual. Meatball marinara. This is where it starts to get because those are really the only three main ones that I'm really into. I'm not a heat. I keep mine really simple as well too. I obviously do like kind of like a what's it called, like a salami, pepperoni, like that type. Italian club, basically that sort of thing as well too. I throw that one on there as well, and then we go with like a roasted chicken sub as well too, like just roasted chicken, some vegetables, that sort of thing. So those are the five I go with. I'm pretty simplistic when it comes to sandwiches. I feel like this is more of your domain where you had a lot more difficulty with it. Honestly, I didn't have as I couldn't <laughs> come up with any more than five that I actually <laughs> eat. So this one was was like it was it was unique. Like there's some I've had before that I'm like, oh yeah, those those were good one time, and then that's that's all I'm gonna eat them for. I'm not gonna eat them <laughs> multiple times beyond that. Like if because, I only had to eat sandwiches the rest of my life, I'd be like, well, damn, I got to make sure these count. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, and, and I'm a pretty plain, when it comes to, to eating food, I'm, I'm a pretty plain plain style guy. I'm not, like, going crazy with it. Um, so, obviously, I'm agreeing with you. First one, peanut butter and jelly. It's just too easy. Too easy. But I'm not going all the fancy, healthy stuff. No, give me give me some, some Jif peanut butter. It doesn't matter crunchy or smooth, but if it's smooth, it's grape jelly. If it's crunchy, it's strawberry jelly. Oh, I'm the fancy one here. Okay, you have it. Okay, you know, moving on now. Why. So, so strawberry. Uh, it's it's not strawberry jelly that I would use with crunchy. It's actually strawberry preserves because they have the chunk of chunk of strawberry in there, and that's where it like it works well with the crunchy. It's just it's a texture thing, man. You'll understand. Gonna, you know one what? Day you'll you're understand. gonna judge me. Whatever you guys say, well, you have a lot more. To, <laughs> you have a lot more discrepancies with your peanut butter and jelly than I do. But go ahead, continue. All right, and then so next up is turkey with pepper jack on a Hawaiian bun because. Get a little sweet, sweet and spicy with the turkey. Some high quality, sweet and spicy mix. Hmm. Uh, next one is a roast beef and pepper jack on sourdough, because I just that's one of my favorite sandwiches to get. It's it, RB it, special. It, yeah, pretty much. But it's it's <laughs> sourdough bread, not that weird artisan yeah. roll thing they use. And this one, I actually never discovered this sandwich until I moved to Iowa. I I did not know this thing even existed. But a hot beef sandwich, <laughs> which if you don't know what it is, it is quite literally roast beef, potatoes, mashed potatoes, and gravy all on a sourdough, rye dough, whatever it is, big old sandwich bun on top of it. Or just an open-faced sub. Like, either way, it's all part of it. And it just all goes together. And you're like, well, I already eat this together anyways. And then you add the bread in it so it soaks up some of the gravy. It's just a, it's a high-quality sandwich. I mean, I... I really was surprised the first time i had it and yeah it was a it was not a mistake to say the least <laughs> it was a it was a happy happy medium there and then the last one is a chicken parm sub and i don't mean like chicken parm with all the extra stuff i mean just like give me chicken fried with a little, little breading a little make it a little spicy add a little bit of parmesan cheese a little bit of marinara on top of that bad boy toast it and you're good to go I had a little bit of Peyton Manning serenading with song in the background and you're good to go look if Peyton Manning wants to serenade me with anything he can do <laughs> it i don't pfft. I don't care. He's more than welcome to. But those are my five sandwiches. I just I couldn't come up with anything that I actually enjoy enough to eat multiple times other than those. There's a couple out there, obviously, like, you know, they're so you know You can find a sandwich you like anytime too. It's like yeah. it's just picking five. It's like, all right, I mean they narrow it. This is weird, but all right. So now if you would ask me Mexican food, what five things of Mexican food were we eating? And I like I could literally just it would start with quesadilla tacos, and then it would end with quesadilla tacos, and then. Well, that, we're this, we're gonna we're gonna veer off the food track here <laughs> to our next question now. So it says, would you rather start an NFL team with the best player in the world or the best coach in the world? And what if it were only for one season? Does that change anything? Ooh, that's interesting. So if I were starting an NFL team, like if I were just taking over an NFL team, I'd want to start with the best coach in the world. Because there's a longevity factor into that one that, you know, you, even with the best player in the world, you just, whatever, you know, you can build a whole system with the best coach in the world. But if it's for one season only and I can have Patty Mahomes as my quarterback and figure out what to do with the rest of it or insert best player here, if that you know, at a certain time, Aaron Donald maybe during his run or like back in the day, Jerry Rice, like I'm taking the best player for a single season. But for an entire starting a team from scratch, give me the coach. I'm going to take the best player for longevity, honestly, because at that point you could just build around them and set yourself up longer term. Cause imagine, let's say hypothetically it is Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Like you pick that quarterback as your best player. You could build around him. Like you could plug and play players. I can grab you Marquez Valdez Scantling. I could grab you some other random pieces and make that work as well too. 
then a generic scheme, Aaron Rodgers or whoever the quarterback is, Patrick Mahomes, whoever you want to throw out there. You want to pull a Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, a Tom Brady, whoever you plug in that spot, they'll make, they will make it work. It's easier to do this in basketball. We're about, it's kind of similar to basketball, but you transition it to football a little bit more Yeah. for, for one season. I think I'd actually pick the coach for one season because okay. you need somebody that's going to like your whole, we're basically saying the whole thing's on the line for this one season. Like it's all, everything's in, you get fired or you're done after the season. That's somebody who can manage the players, put up the schemes, put things together throughout. And if a player has a bad game, the coach can scheme around that potentially as well too, in a situation like that. So I perfectly, I'd like to get both of them. I'd like to have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I mean, if we're going to go with that, but I'm going to say just the opposite of just in the thought of, I think a coach can coach his life out for a full season as well too, and put together something week to week to give you the best chance to win. Whereas if you have the best player, but a terrible coaching staff and the player has a bad game, well, your season's done then because if the coach can't get around it. Yeah, that's actually a really good take. I, I, it was this was a toss up though because you can kind of go both ways. I mean, you could win ten championships in your first ten years with the best player, and then not win again. I'll retire still, at that point. I'm good. <laughs> you, you're still you're still a successful owner at that point in time, right? Like you still won ten championships in the history of your NFL team. And as soon as that player retires, I sell the team high and I'm good. Yeah, and then you look at it and you're like, for one season, if you have a head head coach, all the trick plays and all the things that he can come up with and make a, I think a Bill Belichick and make a substandard defense above average like okay yeah doug peterson won a super bowl again that's all you need to know he managed to run that for one season win a super bowl and actually wrote a book off of it called fearless and is basically forever in philadelphia lore that's all you really need to know he has a statue and he's now um probably one of the most got nick Foles a statue yeah there you go that's a good point he managed to not only get nick Foles a statue but almost ruined carson wentz's career at the same time like he did coaches can do a whole lot of things especially in one season that is that is a good point (laughs) well so going from that to now, who do you think is the most criminally underrated player of all time? It doesn't matter the sport that doesn't get the love they deserve from fans. Well, that really narrows it down to just about everybody. It feels like, like there is <laughs> so many of them across all types of sports. Like you can go, there's probably thousands in baseball, thousands of football, thousands of individual sports all across the way, man, this is a really, really tough one. Like who's the one guy you like that just kind of nobody else really gets why you like him? That's a, that is a tough one. I'm trying trying to narrow it down because I could just Nate rattle off guys all over the place as well too. Do you have one off the top of your head? Do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I got. A, I actually have a couple, but uh, I'm going to go with my number one being Jim Kelly. Um, and it, it purely is down to outside of Buffalo, the dude didn't get the love he deserved. I mean, he won. He he ended up at four Super Bowls, and didn't win any of them. Don't get me wrong. But he did that while literally running his own offense, the K-Gun offense. Let's not forget, like, he he called his own plays. He ran the offense. He got everything situated in Buffalo in a franchise that, let's be honest, if he goes to anywhere else, he's probably wildly successful and considered probably maybe one of the GOATs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to me, I look at Jim Kelly, just by his, based off his playing career, I think that's, that's why I have him up there for sure. No, I'm going to – dip back into the fight game a little bit with this one. I'm going to pick a guy that's started to get a little bit more love recently, but it's coming off the most embarrassing moment of his life, arguably. I'm going to go with Jose Aldo, the UFC fighter, the 145-pound champion for so long. Ten years, he did not lose a fight. At one point, he was, I believe, he was 25-1, and 26-1. But that 13 seconds against Conor McGregor in the biggest moment of his life kind of tarnished him a little bit. Everyone think, called him. He never quite bounced back from that. He had a couple good wins, but his age caught up with him as well, too. Like Everyone's going to just remember him as like, they say Conor McGregor's beating nobody. And it's like, well, that dude was a goat. He was number one pound for pound at the time. He was one of the best fighters. Anderson Silva at one point said, if Joe Zaldo was in my weight division, I would retire. Yeah. He was the, at his time, obviously the game's passed him by a little bit as it does with everybody. He was that dude. You couldn't take him down. You couldn't strike with him. His light kicks could chop down a tree. His hands were lightning quick. His defense, his head movement was spot on. I, I feel like he's a guy that gets a little underrated. People forget just how good he was. And when he entered the UFC, he would kind of, he was boring fighter, quote unquote. Like he cruised the decisions. He was he'd Floyd Mayweather them in a simple way. He just kind of peck, 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 stop, peck, 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 stop. He'd he would beat them comfortably, but it was not enticing. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't I it wasn't like awe-inspiring like his WEC days where he was terrorizing people, like eight second flying knees, jumping, spinning back kicks. He wasn't he wasn't destroying people in the same regard. So he's one guy just looking at the fight game. Just nobody nobody cared about until the Conor McGregor fight. Then at that point, everyone, well, that obviously we all know how that happened as well, too. It turned into one of the most viral Twitter gifts of all time, basically, as well, too. So he's a, I'm going to put him on the list as well, too. He's just a guy that people don't fully appreciate how good he was before that unfortunate moment. And even after that, he was 
really good as well too. Just the next generation caught up with him by that point. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm surprised though. Uh, I, I expected a Marvin Harrison maybe coming out right in this situation. I feel like most people are in agreement. He is a top 10 receiver all time. I didn't think he was truly underrated at that point. Like I, I put him as top 10, maybe if, if I'm missing something, like are people starting to say he's not top 10? Did I, did I, I, I just keep seeing all the people saying he's quiet and, you know, he's not unassuming. So they always forget him when they make their top 10 lists. And then they like in the, in the comments, it's always like, Oh man, I forgot Marvin. Oh, let me go back and, mm. and put him in or like him or Tim Brown, I think are the big two receivers that I consider like definitely. And you could even throw in Reggie Wayne a little bit, like guys that are just a little bit kind of on that outside range, but I just consider him a top 10 and I don't think, Someone who's top 10 all time, and most people recognize that at one point up there, that is a good one as well, too, because here everyone's like, T.O., Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. And then the Marvin, like, who's that? Oh, he's the guy that'll beat you with the baseball bat if you don't pay rent. So, I mean, <laughs> I, th- I think part of it, too, is when he, he was so good at getting open, catching, receiving, all that stuff, he just wasn't terrorizing with the ball in his hands. He usually just went down and avoided contact, which was smart. Gave him a long career, and he's 165 pounds, so it was smart. But he didn't have quite as many of those, oh, God, plays, that sort of thing. Yeah, I know for sure. I was just I, I I was just going across some of the NFL players and those were the ones that kept popping up and I was like why what They're yeah exactly really like, NFL players you can go down a long list like there's some you could even say OJ Simpson is a football player granted there's all the other stuff off the field but people forget he was the best running back he was the best player in the game on the field at one point yeah. as well too there's football there's like someone every single it seems like every other year there's somebody you can mention as well too Drew Brees for example for I don't think he's gonna get remembered as fondly as he should be et cetera et cetera. Philip Rivers won't. Philip Rivers will be hated by a lot of people or, or, or shunned completely. And that's mostly is. because of it, what the words that come out of his mouth. Like, yeah. go, gosh, dung it and everything he says as well, too. So that might, that's pretty self-induced. But I agree with you as well, too. Like, there's so many. I just had to – I just picked one guy that in recent memory, I'm like, dang, one moment's going to kind of tarnish his entire quote-unquote how he's remembered by a lot of people, especially these Gen Z kids. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Jose Aldo, one of the better people as well, too, to come out of the, the UFC game, too. Absolutely. I mean, he opened a burger joint in in Brazil while fighting. Like, if that doesn't, if that's not gutsy to open a burger joint when you have to cut that much weight and stuff like that, I don't know what is. Like, I, I, you got to almost respect the gangster on that. He's, he, that's just so cool. Like, he's, and to the point where he finally quit eating hamburgers, he's able to cut to 135 at yeah. one point. So, very interesting careers in firm as well, too. And now this brings us to our final question that we have so far for this as well. What has been your favorite thing we've been able to do so far that relates to the podcast? Oh, that is, that's tough because we've had a lot of fun doing a lot of things. Uh, some of the interviews we brought in, you mentioned the draft earlier. That's definitely number one B on my, on my <laughs> list uh, right now. Uh, and this is just more down to, it was long since a dream of mine to be able to do something like this. And I know we're not doing it in a professional standpoint or anything like that, but uh, color cast and calling the playoff game, the Saints Bucks playoff game that we called. I enjoyed every single moment of that. And that one, or even the Ravens, and uh, Bill's one, that was a fantastic one to call as well. We had a lot of fun. And, and that's something we obviously, like, I, I, for me, I especially, I grew up like, I want to be the color commentator on, in, in a situation like that. I want to be that guy. Um, and, and just everything we've been able to do on ColorCast is kind of just letting me live that dream. Whether it's, you know, for professional or not, it's still a whole lot of fun. And I enjoy every single moment of it. Honestly, my honor, the exact same thing, too, with the NFL draft. That was my crowning moment, too. Everything we've done with them, that's been absolutely fantastic about, too. Just the platform with what the podcast has done and just being able to talk sports with the various other people we've networked with and just able to kind of just say what you're feeling as well, too, and put it out there and see what other people think, too. Just get a chance to lay it out on the line and see what happens as well, too. Like We talked about it. I think this guy's the best at this. He gets toasted. Well, I was wrong. Or, hey, I was right. So just that in general. But I agree with you. Like, the NFL draft was probably the one of the more fun things we've done as well too. Like those would be the main things for me and just doing it every single week when we do those rankings, those recaps, those sort of things. It's fun. Like that top 10 all time NBA players ranking. That was absolutely, that was fun just to go through it all and be like, wow, this guy, that guy, we almost had to get, I almost had to go on a grading system. Like I was like, all right, 10 out of 10 in the post, nine out of 10 in the fast break, just so I could actually pick players and have some sort of quantitative relative relativity for it. Or, you know, you could just pull to me and just give you an 11 player list instead of a 10 player list. Actually, I probably get closer to a 15 player list on our top 10 list. Yeah, that was my worst moment so far, easily. Having to, having to see you go with your 15 best 10 players. Look, I, you know what, man? When I, it, I'm just going to keep blaming. When you talk about Malone, you can't talk about Malone without Stockton, and you can't talk about Stockton without Malone. They're like, they're two heads to the same coin, I feel like. It's just, they're so, they're so ingrained in each other. They're just, they were not, neither one was the same when the other left. 
And I mean, they they have a pretty strong accolades when you put them together. I mean, Malone was a top three scorer. I think he was number two at the time that he retired as well too. Stockton with the leader in steals and assists, and now he's well on his way to being a leading shot blocker with the way things are going with him right now as well too. So we'll see how that thing goes as well. So I see what you're going there as well. Well, this has been absolutely fun. We appreciate everyone who threw in some questions. Glad to answer them as well too. It's always fun. We got a whole lot more stuff coming. Color cast podcast, all of as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. And DJ joined by Kelsey. We will see you guys next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.